Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. The Rebel Report from Super Talk Mississippi with Brian Scott Rippey and Colin Brister. Listen carefully. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator back in the chair, as always, is Colin Brister. He was out on Friday. We had Michael Borky fill in the show. Uh, hope everything is well with you. Thank you for hanging out with us on this, what, uh, Monday? I can't believe we're into November. That's kind of bonkers. Uh, edition of the Rebel Report. I didn't even say the date. I don't care. A uh, lot to get into today. Uh, we've got Ole Miss loses at Auburn. I made the trip back home yesterday. I, it was a really really interesting game and really bad game all at the same time in terms of like uh, it was a tough one to watch on the eyes uh, but Ole Miss loses another one we'll get into that the quarterback thing which I'm sure no one is tired of talking of it but at this point we'll probably get into some hoops Ole Miss has an exhibition game tonight against Mississippi College uh, I don't believe they're they're not charging admission so if you're like in the area and want to come I'm pretty sure that's free yeah they're doing like the hurricane relief game I think like all uh, concession stands and stuff. Go to the uh, the thing Coach Yo was supporting. I can't remember. Exactly well, yeah, and I, I think it's uh, I think Dorian. Yeah, I think it's Franco and uh, shoot, who's the other kid from the Bahamas? Sammy Hunter. Yeah, I, I believe that's got something to do with it as well. So good cause. They're not charging admission, but I believe they'll be accepting donations. Is what the deal is is on that. Anyway. Um, you'll kind of get your first game action look at Ole Miss this year. We'll get into some of that. I have some thoughts and probably have a, a written piece out later about just things I'm expecting, things I would kind of be interested to see. Uh, but, I mean, I guess without burying the lead here, let's get into football. Ole Miss loses at Auburn, what, 20-14 to 14 in a game in which they were basically doubled up offensively. I think Auburn had 507 yards to Ole Miss's 266. Really, it, like, four different points in the game I'm sitting there looking up like how in the hell are they in this game like how in the world is this game close Auburn's not very good offensively but at the same time I thought the Ole Miss defense played really really well despite giving up it's like I think the them giving up 500 yards more has to do with them being on the field for 37 minutes of the game more so than them giving up a bunch of chunk plays uh but I thought the defense obviously it's kind of it's interesting this is like the third or fourth time in a row we've sat here on a Monday, and I've been kind of thinking the defense gave them every opportunity to win the game, and they didn't do it. And I, I, um, I, I, I like, what? How, how in your wildest dreams would you have dreamed that? Like, you would have thought that would be the case at the beginning of the year. <laughs> uh, Mike McIntyre has done one heck of a job. Frankly, he should be the assistant coach of the year. Um, the defensive talent was not near as bad as Wesley McGriff. He made it look, but it really it, it wasn't good either. Um, so they're, they're a pretty decent and respectable defense at this point, and that, that that's a lot better than I think anyone could have imagined when they uh, they kicked this thing off over two uh, over two months ago. Um, the offense is obviously a problem. Um, it's, it just is what it is. There's there's some big, 
goes deep, and, you know, well, it doesn't really go deep. <laughs> it's, it's just a problem at this point, and it's the reason Ole Miss can't win these football games. Yeah, and so I guess we'll just get right into it. So Ole Miss did next to nothing offensively in the first half. Like, I think their first four drives, they crossed midfield once. I uh, the first <laughs> The first possession – I got up to go grab a, uh, a not a media guide, but one of those roster sheets. And so I thought the Plumlee incompletion to Moore across midfield was third down. So I thought they were punting, and then I turned around and Auburn had the football. And I was like, oh, shit, that was fourth down. So they, that was really the only time, like, on those first three, four possessions, they got across midfield, I believe. And I'm trying to make uh, – hold on, I have it pulled up here. Or at least I thought I did. But they, they, the first, the really point being is they, they start Plumlee, which one, so I guess we'll start there. This is kind of my thought on that. If Ole Miss, after what happened against Texas A&M, didn't start Matt Corral in He's this done. game, yeah, then, then it's kind of like, the, the then this is kind of is what it is. This is the, re, I hate using that phrase, but that's kind of the reality. Like, Plumlee is clearly the guy that Rich Rodriguez wants to go with. I know I feel like I'm, I know everyone, like, it sounds like I'm stating the obvious there. But if, if after what happens this week, what happened this past week, if Corral's not the starter, then clearly they're just living with what this Plumlee thing is. And they're going all in on it. And I have a couple different thoughts on that is because one, it's. I, I, one, it's stupid. Well, but go ahead. And, well, so. I feel like I'm sounding like I'm contradicting myself here in a couple of ways because I said for three weeks I think both need to play, particularly at the Missouri game. But there's only one way that both could play, and that's if you use Corral as the every-down guy and Plumlee as a package guy with his feet. That's the only way that type of thing works. It's the only sensible way to do it, right? Like, Florida didn't play Tim Tebow in 07 or whatever as the every-down guy and then be like, hey, Chris Lee, go in and throw a pass and, you know... (laughs) You know, run a normal package of plays or whatever example you want to use that you've seen in college football throughout the last couple of years. Like, so that's the only way that was going to work. And honestly, inexplicably and nonsensi- nonsensically, against Texas A&M, they tried to do the opposite. They they tried to do what I'm kind of alluding to that the package guy playing as the every down quarterback and then Matt Corral coming in off the bench. And clearly that didn't work and really wasn't fair to Corral. And the offense looked horrible. So, I, I, I feel I kind of contradicting myself, but the fact that they were refusing to do that, I feel like I'm not. I almost want to give them credit for at least picking one identity and sticking to it in the second half. But the problem is they did that, and I'd say they did that. They played Plumlee pretty much the entire last three quarters of the game. The crowd, I think, got two second-quarter drives. But the problem with that is it didn't work at all. They, they drive the field and have the one touchdown uh, to cut the game to twenty to fourteen, and, and I think I think the, the signifying factor that Matt Crowell has done as long as Rich Rodriguez and I guess Matt Luke is the coach uh, was the end of the game. Uh, they're, they're they're down six with with a minute and ten seconds left. They need seventy yards for a touchdown. They either John Rice Plumley can't execute a vertical passing game, or Rich Rodriguez won't allow him the opportunity to do it. And they chose to continue to go with him when they had to stretch the field and you have a big arm quarterback on the sideline. I think at that point, I mean, if you're Matt Crowell, you, you kind of see the writing on the wall then. This is kind of over. Uh, they don't believe in you for whatever reason. And it's, I, I, 
man, at this point, I don't know how you can expect him back at Ole Miss next year. Well, I guess we'll hold that thought for a little bit because we can get into that in a second. Uh, but I think the way to do that is if – I think the way that happens is you just kind of wait and see how everything plays out. Plumlee does have the baseball thing. Uh, does Rich Rodriguez leave to go get a job on it, like a group of five jobs, something like that? Because he's not getting fired. Um, so I, if I'm Matt Luke, I consider it. But Matt seems to be all in. Well, yeah, so that's another element of this that will kind of I, – I, yeah, that's another part of this. I don't think, though, I don't think it's reasonable. I mean, they're paying him, what, over a One million five. bucks. I don't think they're going to pay – I don't think they're going to get out of another, you know – I mean, I, I forget what the – I don't have it in front of me what he signed for. But like, I Three think, years, uh, 1.5 a year was what the contract was when he signed back in December. I don't think they're going to jump out of that already. Like, it, I, I don't I don't necessarily see that as feasible. Anyway, so they go with Plumlee. Like, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. They go with Plumlee, and it really just, like, it's... I mean, the, look, if, it, if he's going to jam that square peg into a round hole, I'm not even sure that's the... I'm not even sure that's the right analogy in terms of the square peg in the round hole. Because with what Richrod wants to do, Plumlee, despite, even with his shortcomings in the passing game, kind of fits it. The problem is it just doesn't work. So, like, it's, it's not necessarily – I said for a while it's a, it was kind of jamming a square peg into a round hole. It, it really isn't that. It's just one-dimensional and it doesn't work. Like, it's not an odd fit. It's just not good. Yeah, I mean – you're right. It's an offense that doesn't work in 2019. I'm not sure it would have ever worked in the SEC. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, yeah, Rich Rodriguez would have to. I am curious what Rich Rodriguez sees when he decides to play John Rice Plumley over Matt Crow. Like he said, he said on Saturday, I listened to his post game press conference that Auburn was doing a lot of things that made them want to play John Rice Plumley. And my question would be, what? Like, they sat in zero coverage, and you weren't able to stretch the field with the football. So what was Auburn doing that made you come to that decision? Um, I think that was a pretty disingenuous answer on his part. So, yeah, it is what it is at this point. Rich Rodriguez is playing his dude because he wants to play his dude, but it makes no sense. Um, And, frankly, Rich Rodriguez has been terrible this year. He gets a pass a little bit for the Memphis game. Uh, because the offensive line was so bad. But beyond that, I mean, it's just been an abomination from a play calling standpoint. Yeah, so that's another thing I don't I don't necessarily – I guess uh, if you want to put – if you want to, like, take examine the play calling aspect of it, uh, they run every down on first down. Like, 19 in a row. Is that what it was? They ran – okay, so here's the stat. They threw an incompletion on first down with 13.45 left in the first quarter. Okay. They did not throw another first down pass until there were nine minutes left in the game. So for three quarters, they ran every single time on first down. It was 19 times in a row. That sounds rather predictable. And if, <laughs> I, if, if, I, if I remember correctly, the, 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 thir- the first one they threw on wasn't necessarily really a downfield vertical pass either. It was in the flat. No, they don't have that. It was toward the sideline. So, like, even if you are throwing it, like, it, that's not real. Like, you know what I mean? That's not really stretching the defense or pushing the football down the field. So, one, it's predictable. Two, it didn't help that they lose Scotty Phillips in the first quarter to – I believe it was an ankle injury. I think Matt, I think Matt Luke said after the game they originally thought it was a knee, or and it ended up being an ankle. 
Uh, that's not that doesn't bode well for Ole Miss. That didn't help them in this game. But I mean, look, Auburn. I wrote this after the game on Saturday. Auburn has one of the best defensive lines in the country and defensive front sevens in the country. I, like they could have stopped or they could have contained Ole Miss rushing the football without really having to stack the box. But Ole Miss really just invited them to do so anyway playing the quarterback they did, running the offense they did, and really just kind of waving the white flag in terms of there not really being a vertical threat to pass. No, you're right. Um, and and so these are, if if, if you want to, I mean, I know people, most people listening to this or maybe all of you listening to this watch the game. Ole Miss's first half drives, their first drive was actually the most productive. It went 34 yards. Downs, punt, punt 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 six straight punts and then right before halftime Elijah Moore made a really great play on a punt return which is interesting he returned at 55 yards and going into the going into that punt return Ole Miss only had 10 punt return punt return yards on the year they're one of the worst punt return teams in the in the SEC and I think they might be the worst punt return team in the SEC uh don't quote me on that though I'm not 100% positive I need to go back and look that up but he makes a great play and sets them up for the touchdown and so that's kind of when it becomes the classic inexplicable. Like, I looked at Nate Gabler at halftime, or Gabler, and I was like, how the hell is this a 10-7 to game? Like, what, Auburn had 300 yards of offense, Ole Miss had 129. You look up, and they're really right there. And, and, and because, of the way, because of the way the defense is playing and because of Auburn's struggles offensively, they really were right there in it. It wasn't, like, the yardage thing was a mismatch, and yes, they probably, like, Auburn had plenty of chances, but it didn't feel like... I guess what I'm trying to say is it didn't really feel that fluky. Like, they were really had a shot. Like you didn't Yeah, Auburn really... missed two long field goals. I mean, I think one was 50 yards and one was like 46 or so. Um, so, I mean, it's tough to fault the college kicker for missing that. Um, I guess we know who the better one. Carlson is. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but Ole Miss did a good job once Auburn got the ball into their territory. I think if you're Ole Miss, the only thing you look back at defensively and, and really kick yourselves over we're late in the game. Everybody in the stadium knew Gus was going to run a screen. That's what Gus does on third and long, and, and they just couldn't make the play for whatever reason. I think McIntyre knew it was coming, too. No, yeah, no, he, he talked about that after the game. They, he, he, he dubbed it as walked it up. Like, they covered it okay. They just couldn't make the tackle. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. It, look, it's just a like it's just a missed tackle, and I'm not trying to overanalyze here. But aren't missed tackles a lot of times a sign of fatigue? And that was oh yeah, that absolutely. was that was approaching there. They played 90 plays on Saturday night, 90. Yeah, yeah, against the team that runs the football primarily, and really um, just punish like bruises you, like 90 snaps. That's a, like even in a college game, that's absurd. Yeah, yeah, I mean. That's what an offense that goes fast but doesn't actually do anything does to your defense. Um, so, I mean, that's just a credit to Mike McIntyre and everything he's done with his defense. I mean, it's, it's a shame that they don't get rewarded the way they should because if Ole Miss was just competent on offense, they're what? Seven and – if Ole Miss is competent on offense, they have one, two, at least three more wins, right? So instead of three and six, they're six and three. Yeah, they probably beat Memphis. I think you would beat Cal. They beat Memphis. They beat Cal. Or not Cal. They beat Memphis. They beat A&M. And they beat Auburn. I, I don't know, man. Auburn. Well, so, uh, the, what's part, part of this that needs to, I guess, be taken into account is that Auburn, for basically three quarters, made the best offense in college football look very pedestrian last week, too. 
And so to a degree, while Ole Miss's offensive strategy, the one that Rich Rodriguez deployed, didn't really make a ton of sense and wasn't successful, I tend to side more in the camp that there wasn't. I'm not sure there was really much anything they could do that would have been successful against Auburn on that night. But they should have tried it in a different way. But at the end of the day, they were 40 yards from winning the football game. Yeah, that's fine. And they were they were close. But I, I just, I, I, I don't, I, I'll give, I'll grant Cal and probably A&M, but I don't think they necessarily beat Auburn no matter who plays at quarterback. Because in the, and it's not fair to judge Corral off this, he was three of six and played like 12 plays, but he didn't look very good either. But again, when you're bringing him in cold off the bench midway through the second quarter and being like, all right, go get him, like that's not necessarily fair to him either. Oh, they've stunted his development as a quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I would, I would, cert- I would definitely agree with that. I mean, that's it's 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 a complicated issue, and it's a it's a twofold issue, or I say twofold. It's very much just layered. But anyway, so they do the plum we like. I keep getting ahead of ourselves. They do the plum we think there's really no success at all, and then for whatever reason in the fourth quarter, I'm sure Auburn was playing a little bit softer, what have you. It it kind of came to life a little bit in the fourth quarter like they started running it a little better some of that was Plumlee just making plays with his feet but they go down and they have a 15 play 91 yard drive which was really their only really like solid drive of the game and it, that cuts it to 20 to 14 with about what and, and I don't mean to cut you off here but when John Rice Plumlee and they run this offense scores it's on 15 play drives like their touchdown drives with him in the football game are an absurd amount of play yeah, which necessarily isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you kind of have to go all in on that style. But anyway, but Auburn, I guess it is worth pointing out, Auburn also had 30 yards worth of penalties on that drive as well that really helped Ole Miss's cause. Yep. And so then you have that, and then you ask your defense to get you one more stop, and they got it, but they just couldn't do it quick enough to give you a realistic shot because what Ole Miss had to go 65 yards in a minute, 20 with no timeouts. Like with the way they run offense, you're like I guess really what you just pointed out with it being 15 play drives and kind of methodically running it and moving it down the field. That's not really conducive to kind of executing a two minute offense or a two minute drive and you know what have you. So it's hard to fault. I'm not faulting the defense for that, but like if they caught, if they could have gotten off the field a little quicker, Ole Miss maybe would have had a more realistic shot. But again. Like, Ole Miss lost this game because they were horrible offensively. Like, they were in the game because they weren't, uh, because they were very, very good defensively three quarters. Now, Auburn is not a world beating offense by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they were, I thought they were fairly bland offensively. Uh, Bo Nix was okay. Although, I did, I'll, I'll point out here, I, I'm not, this really isn't the perfect analogy. But if you watched it, how Bo Nix played against Oregon, and he's an 18-year-old true freshman. And Gus, now there's different reasons Gus went with him. Gus went with him because he's sitting there thinking probably, hey, if I go 8-4 and four with a true freshman quarterback that's really talented, like, that's going to save me, uh, that's going to, like, I, that's going to save me more so than going 8-4 and four with a junior Joey Gatewood would also. Like, you can kind of sell the, hey, the future's bright, all that nonsense. But my point being is, they stuck by Nick through some struggles, he made that one throw that really wasn't even a good throw in the Oregon game, and they win the game, but he played not. He didn't play a very good game. I'm not indicting him for that. It was his first college game at 18 years old. But they've stuck with him no matter what. They've said he's the guy. And if you watch the way he threw the football on Saturday night compared to where he played in September and particularly the season opener, 
it's night and day. Like, that's kind of what sticking by a quarterback looks like, does it not? I mean, he was 30 of 44 for 340. He didn't have a touchdown or a turnover, but man. Or I guess he had a turnover. He fumbled, but, like, he didn't have an interception. Like, if you're talking about sticking by a quarterback, like, that's kind of what that looks like, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, he, he was pretty good on Saturday night against the Ole Miss defense, so like we said, it's been pretty good. Um, I think Ole Miss, by the way, is getting better in the secondary. It's tougher than it is to believe. I, I think they're a lot better than they were three well, or four it's weeks a, It's ago. not to cut you off. It's a little bit of the same thing. If you stick by young guys and kind of let them learn, they get better. Yeah, 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 I'm with you. Um, but you're right. I mean, Nick has, has developed into a pretty good quarterback, whereas Ole Miss um, – has decided that their redshirt freshman quarterback doesn't need to be on the football field um, for whatever reason. I don't know how Matt sells this. I, I really don't. I guess there's some people that believe in it. But how does, like, and I was ask you, does Matt really not see what kind of everybody else sees that this doesn't work? Like, what, what, what do you think his rationale is to sticking with football? I, I think he's infatuated with the idea of being a Smash mouth, hard. He always says that hard, hard nosed blue collar bullshit, and I, 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 that's probably a little. No, that is what it is. That is, you ain't, you ain't got to explain. That is. Well, it. that's kind of what he envisions the program being. So I, that's probably a little harsh, and so I think he likes the idea of we're going to run it at you, we're going to run your ass over, and that's it. But so I, I, I don't think it's not necessarily what he sees and doesn't sees. I think it's what he wants to see. I guess if that makes sense, and what he envisions it being. And also, he made the hire to Rich Rodriguez, I imagine, giving him full autonomy over the offense, McIntyre full autonomy over the defense. I mean, he's paying them like they have full autonomy. They're making seven figures. And so him sticking I, – I, 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 I'm not saying – I'm not defending him in this. Maybe he's hesitant to stick his nose in it because of what, kind of how they had this set up going into the season, I guess is what I'm getting at, if that makes well, any sense. I, I can tell you this. If my ass was on the line, like his is – I put my nose in it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just kind of, you're asking the explanation. I think that's probably it. And I think it's partly he wants Plumley to be the guy. Because Plumley, there's, there's a leadership aspect here. And I don't mean this is an indictment on Matt Corral, but the, the I think it's probably fairly fair to say the team seemed, particularly if you remember back in the beginning in September, the teams very much seemed more so to gravitate towards Plumley a little bit more and kind of got a little more excited when he went in the game. I don't think they dislike Matt Corral in like per se, but Plumley kind of has an infectiousness about him and a natural leadership quality to where Matt Corral maybe not that he's not a leader or whatever, but like it, it maybe doesn't it's not as an attractive way to lead a football team. I don't know. I think there's some of that there too. And so like I guess if you're talking about intangibles and that cliched stuff, it seems like Plumley has the edge there, and so they really want it to be Plumley. So I think that's kind of really what you're seeing here. And at the same time, Rich Rodriguez really, really wants it to be John Rice Plumley. Yeah, um, it. I don't, I don't know how to say. This I mean, you can't you can't win an SEC football game passing for 86 yards. It's just not really. They, fun. they have had two SEC games this year where they threw for less than 100 yards. That's hard to do. That is hard to do in this modern day and age of football. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm not trying to be flippant. That's kind of what the service academies do. Yeah. I mean, Ole Miss, look, look Ole Miss is basically running the triple option out of shotgun. It, it, it's basically what they're doing. Um, so, it's not going to work. It's never worked in this league. It will continue to not work in this league. 
Look, I, I had somebody bring up, and it was a fairly good point. Kentucky does a version of this and did a version of this last year, and that's fine. I get that. But Kentucky also didn't have to play Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Texas A&M. They had to play, you know, Georgia and Florida. Pretty good defensive line. But it's a, it's a stark contrast when you're playing a bunch of East opponents and when you're having to line up against those four teams each and every year. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fair point. And um, so aside from that, I, you finally really – I know another thing that people have been upset with about – uh, Rich Rodriguez and this offense is the lack of touches for Jerry and Ely. Well, buddy, they were forced into giving him touches in this one. Scotty yeah, because Phil- Scotty Phillips goes down. Right, and Jerry Neely gets 14 rushes on the ground, and he caught four passes. Uh, so this probably isn't a good sign for Ole Miss. Ole Miss is yardage leader uh, in re- in receiving, receiving yards leader was backup running back Snoop Connor with 33, and the leader in receptions was Jerry Ealy with four. Those are two running backs. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I guess if you want to get to another part of this is, so there were a couple of throws early in the game, and apparently, so I didn't watch this on television, clearly, but I, I was told the camera caught Rich Rodriguez saying this kid can't throw a five-yard effing out. Is that true or false? Uh, they showed him frustrated on TV. I was not able to read his lips. Okay, so it doesn't really matter. But I guess my point in saying that, there were two throws early in the game, um, and I don't remember off the top of my head if it were the first or the second drive. One may have come on each. But Plumley had two open men. And not only did he miss them, he threw one. I, I, I'm trying not to be, because I had a perfect angle of this because Auburn's. I like. I have some thoughts on this in a minute. Auburn's press box is in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, that's a weird location. And so the way I was seated, I literally could not have possibly seen the throw clear towards Ole Miss's sideline. And no joke, he missed it by like eight feet. Like, like, like a, it was astonishing. Like, like to where you look at it, you go, oh, like how, how did that happen? And so. I like it's I I don't even know what I'm trying to say here is like if you can't like if it's not only that they're not completing passes it's a twofold issue is one the inaccuracies are incredibly incredibly problematic he's not giving guys chances no and it's not it's not even just like yeah exactly but two at the same time and it's a two-way street here as we talked about last week the receivers aren't getting open but to them, in fairness, their their growth has been stunted by the fact that one, they don't know who's going to throw them the ball, and two, a lot of times, more times than not, it's not coming in where it needs to be. And so I think you're by playing Plumlee in particular, and I'm not even sure if it would be that much better with Corral, but I do think it would be a little bit better. The receivers, like receivers' growth, is not like it, that's not happening. None of these receivers are developing at all. None of them. Yeah, I. It just is what it is, man. I mean, how are you going to recruit receivers to this offense when your receivers aren't, you know, up, up to snuff right now and you probably need to go get some more? How in the world do you think you're going to be able to recruit receivers to this offense? Um, so, I, I don't know. It's, it's a hell of a dynamic because if – I want to know who's pulling the strings on this offense, frankly, um, because – if, it, if it's Rich Rodriguez making every single decision, then Matt Luke should step in and say, no, this is what we're going to do, Chief. If Matt Luke is, you know, complicit and cool with how this is going down, 
then that that that's a much larger larger problem in my opinion. Yeah, I, well, I think it's probably more so the latter. And then uh, another thing I had uh, after the game, we'll get. After, I think we covered the game enough because that's really what it came down to. Ole Miss was horrible offensively. The, to their credit, though, and I know I've sound again. I'm sound like I'm predicting myself. At least they finally went with it. They didn't tiptoe with the Plumley thing. They kind of flirted with Corral in the little bit in the first half. But really, after a while, it was, hey, this is what we're doing, and by God, we're going to do this. And they did it, but it sucked. So uh, I don't know if I can give credit for doing a stupid thing just because you committed wholeheartedly to doing the stupid thing. I mean, it's better than doing a stupid thing halfway. <laughs> like, like Okay, so I guess I'll frame it in this light. I think the playing Plumlee, rotating Corral in every fifth play to throw a pass is inherently more stupid than just being like, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do. And with the even, And I don't disagree with you there, but you still have to put him in on the last drive, right? I mean, yeah, but if you played, if you played, if you played Corral the whole game, I mean, if you played Plumlee the whole game, then like, I, I don't know, like all of a sudden, really with just a minute 20 left, you're going to, all right, Matt, do this? Well, I mean, it, it was your only prayer. I <laughs> mean, just being real. Like, the, the last play of the game, you can't put the dude in that can at least throw it through the end zone. Yeah, so that's I re- that's another thing that was interesting to me is they come out with a minute 20, and then as soon as Plumlee comes out in, in quarterback, I'm like, what? they don't have a shot here. Like, and to his credit, Plumlee completed two, what, he had completed two passes to Braylon Sanders. One was negated by a hold on Alex Gibbons, yeah. which was a hold in every sense yeah, of the word. He, he, uh, he tackled him. And so... I, I just I, I maybe I'm skeptical, but I'm standing there on the sidelines with a minute twenty left, and when Plumlee and them run out there, I'm sitting there thinking they have a minute twenty no timeouts. So the amount of time it took them to go ninety one yards, I know they're only going sixty five, but like they don't have a shot here. I didn't think they I, like I know they had a chance. I know they came up 30, 40 yards short, whatever. I know they're in Auburn territory. I didn't think they had a chance of putting that thing in the end zone. No, that was that was Plumlee. There was no realistic world where I was like they're going to do this and win. Because hey, Dad, would there have been a world if Matt Corral was taking this staff? He thought that. Um, not with the way things have gone the last month, but I would have given them a better shot just because if Corral say hits a guy over the middle deep or hits a deep ball down the sideline, that's maybe really throw it to the end zone on the last play of the game. Well, yeah, sure, that's that's true as well. Although to Pumley's to Pumley's credit. If he gets that pass off and it's incomplete, that's not the last play of the game. If he takes a sack, it probably is. But anyway, but so yeah, maybe maybe for the hell mary. But I guess my point being is, if Corral hits two throws on that drive and they get down to the twenty, yeah, I think they have a better shot. But I, I didn't think there was any way. Like, hey, Dad texted me and was like, "This is about to happen." And I'm sitting there like, "No, it, no, it is not." So, and then what? A couple of things I wanted to get to after the game is one, Rich Rodriguez was incredibly frustrated. After the game, I know breaking news there, but I mean he called the passing game awful. Like he, I mean, if if nothing else, he didn't mince like he didn't mince words. He called it terrible. You know, I, I asked him, I was like, well, what do you do? What do you guys kind of need to do to rectify that? And he said, get better in the passing game. And I'm not gonna like indict him for that. Whatever, he's frustrated, blowing off steam after a game. You know, is what it is. Whatever. But I, there were a couple of things that I thought were telling. Is one, he said. A lot of the throws and things we did tonight that we didn't complete, we're completing in practice. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
because a lot of times you, you don't get much out of these post-game things. You don't really get much when these coaches talk anyway. So I spend half my time, and I feel like I'm like Alex Jones from InfoWars or some shit where I'm trying to like read in between the lines. And But if you're, if you're citing practice as a time where you're like, well, Plumlee, basically what he was saying was Plumlee, because he couldn't have been talking about Corral. Corral threw six passes in, in you know, three of six, second quarter, and it was all in the second quarter. If you're... If you're sitting there saying, well, we're doing this right in practice, like that's like the guy who you play golf with who shoots 95 and then starts talking about how he shot 74 by himself no, yesterday. This is like dude that uh, in elementary school, he always had a girlfriend that goes to a different school and you didn't know about Well, sure, it's the same thing. But it's like the guy yeah. that's like shooting 96, you're killing him in a wolf game. And he's like, I don't know what happened. I shot 74 yesterday. It's like, no, man, actually you didn't. But that's okay. It's always like it's the guy that's insecure about how bad he's playing or how bad things are going, and he wants to tell you that it's been better before. You just didn't see it. And I'm not necessarily calling Rich Rodriguez insecure, insecure but to me that was telling. If you're citing practice as a time to where they're completing the stuff, you like that's to me. I thought that was very telling. Where he's just blatantly, without saying it, saying, "I want Plumy to be the guy. This is what I want to work, and it's not working. But damn it, I want to." Because nobody actually How many buys that. Do you practice well and it not translate to the field? Well, dude, I, 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 you can't be like, "Hey, you went nine of ten in practice. You're going to go nine of ten in the game." That's not how it works, and he knows that's not how it works. But he just like that to me was basically him just wanting it. Him that was very telling to me. That was him saying, "I want this to work, damn it, and we're going to keep trying it until it works." Because. When you have no evidence, like like that, he had no evidence to cite that this is going to work or it has worked. So he went to practice. To me, I, I thought that was very telling. That and to me, that's also basically telling you that they're out on Corral, and the last three games. I mean, there's no fixing this. You're in November. You got three games left. So yep. it is what it is. So like, I guess if you're an Ole Miss fan and you're frustrated by it, like, oh, I mean, to sound like a smart ass, but kind of like tough shit. Like this is kind of is what it's going to be. And so, I don't know. I thought that answer was very telling, where he goes, we've completed these in practice, and I'm sitting there thinking, you're playing a top-10 defense in the country, and you're citing how you're bewildered, how it doesn't work because it worked in practice. Like, you have ample amount of game data now to show you that it doesn't work. It you know what's about to happen, it didn't, right? Well, it didn't work against – I think I know where you're going, so hold that thought. It didn't work against Missouri, so they put Corral in, and then it kind of sort of worked when they went both, and blah, blah, blah. I'm not rehashing that again. I'm done beating the Corral drum. If they want to go with the Plumlee thing, and if you're a Plumlee guy, and like that was kind of your thing, that's fine. It's not working. Like, newsflash, it's not working, but they're going to go with it, so you can continue to watch it not work, and you continue to watch the product be terrible. That's fine. But I- I'm not beating the Corral drum anymore. I'm not doing the Boston play anymore. Like, I, I don't... Well, they, they both should play, but they're not. Well, no, they both shouldn't play because the way they are being used when they both play doesn't work either. So I actually kind of disagree now with my own assessment that they both should play because they in, inexplicably put them, like they reversed the roles for what they should be. And I know we've covered that ad nauseum. I've said it four times today, it feels like. But anyway, so that's fine. If you're going to ride with Plumlee, I had a guy, no, I had a guy, no joke, tweet me at halftime because I said the quarterback thing remains interesting. And some guy tweeted me, they should go with Plumlee. He seems to get them in the end zone. Okay. I was like, <laughs> dude. Yep. Like, I, I, I wish I, I wish Twitter has a verified checkmark thing. I wish they had, like, a red dot 
or like maybe the clown emoji, and it's the I don't get it sign. It's like you're a registered <laughs> I don't get it imbecile. Let's review Ole Miss's four touchdowns the past two weeks. They were run, 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 and run. Three of them came off. One came off a punt return. One came off a muff punt. No, no, no. That, that doesn't count Missouri. Oh, okay. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, Texas A&M is a Jerry on Ailey 69-yard touchdown run. Uh, Auburn was a bunch of runs. I mean, yeah, he gets them in the end zone. Okay, but like. Does he really get credit because Darion Ely busted a 70-yard touchdown run? No, of course not. That's disingenuous and people just intentionally being stupid. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. That is what it is. So, anyway, that, I found that humorous. But it, So, look, the, anyway, I, I'm getting off track here. We're kind of rambling. But this is what it is. Like, this is what you're going to ride with the last three games. Now, what you were about to say, I think, guess what happens? Guess what's going to happen in three weeks? State's rushing defense is terrible. They're going to tear them up, and if they win, oh the well, goal, I was going to say they're going to rush for 500 yards on Saturday, and they're going to tell this that it works. Oh no, man, you're 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 on you're on a second dimension, and I'm up here on a fourth. Come join me. What happens in November when State's awful rushing defense lets Plumley in this weird offense torch oh, them for God. 300 yards? Say they somehow win the Egg Bowl. Well, I mean, the man, I mean, don't tell me that doesn't buy you incredible amounts of emo- capital based on the emotions that people put in that game. The man standing on the sidelines has his job because of it. So, what, what, seriously, 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 bear with me for a second. What happens with, if they rush for 300 yards, they beat State because State's defense is terrible? They're gonna, I swear to God, watch it right now. They're going to spend the entire offseason saying, we're close, we're close, we're riding with John Rice Plumley. this can work. And then, watch it. Watch it happen. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Well, I guess they could say it works, and then when they start off two and five next year, because that's coming, uh, they, they can go back to the drawing board. It's coming though. That's going to happen, isn't it? I'm not. I, maybe okay. Maybe I'm coming a little strong. I don't know if they're going to win the Egg Bowl, but I think that offense is going to torch Mississippi State. I think there's State. a real shot they light State up on the ground. I know. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna hear about it. Like that's that's what it's going to be. So I don't know. I find all of this to be a little bit humorous. Sometimes There's going to be Ole Miss fans on Thanksgiving kind of in their heart of hearts that want them to lose. Well, that's a wild place to be. Uh, I mean, they, they, there are. There's going to be people that think if they lose, they can get a new football coach, and they don't. Well, to be fair, there's going to be Mississippi State fans that kind of probably want the same thing, too, so they can get a new football coach. So let's transition to that in a second. I don't think there is a world where Matt Luke doesn't get a twenty twenty at this point. It is November fourth. It uh, would take it would take a loss to Mississippi State by thirty to thirty five points. Uh, in my opinion. Well, okay, that's fine. And if they go four and eight and they get blown out in Mississippi State, my question for you, if you if you're, if, if that's the route you're going, my question I would pose for you: Who's pulling the trigger on that? Well, yeah, this is assuming that John Hartwell is in by then. If he's not, then is Glenn Boyce going to go hire a football coach? Yeah, no, exactly. No, so, so that's another – I guess that's what I was trying to kind of get to. They've done this committee thing. I think we hit on this a little bit on Friday. show. You obviously weren't here for that. But, like, I they, they rolled out the committee, and I, I, I'm not rehashing it again. I'm – said it on the surface it's a bunch of smart people if they were allowed to do their job you might stumble on a good athletic director but again Ole Miss has turned committees as basically this firecracker smoke screen deal to distract from kind of the shady shit they do and it's as much of a force as this offense is well yeah well it's just kind of a diversion from what they kind of want to do in the dark and they want everyone to look at this committee 
and look at the shiny lights and the firecrackers and all that popping while they kind of go do their own thing off to the side while no one's paying attention. Problem is, no one's that stupid and no one (laughs) believes it at this point. Like, that trick is played out. But my point in all that is, it feels like they're kind of watching the trick play out at this point. I think they're intentionally kind of holding up this athletic director search and being like, oh, we're going to give it a month. Like, basically, I think they're going, I think they're giving it a few weeks, a month, whatever the time frame they want to, to make it look like the committee's actually doing stuff and then hiring one of the two guys they want to hire because I do think it's a two-horse race at this point, I think. And so while they're deliberately stalling that, you're basically you're basically suffocating or, or diminishing your ability to make a change at, at, at head coach if you wanted to by waiting that long. Because if you hire an athletic director on November 30th, like the odds of him firing the football coach within the first week, which is really the time you need to, and even that wouldn't necessarily be ideal with the early signing period and all that now, it just it seems increasingly unlikely. Yeah, no, I I don't, I, I've said this before, I expect Matt Luke to coach the 2020 Ole Miss for at least seven games. Um, I don't, I think there's a world where he is, a move is made, um, but I would put that at 15 to 20 percent. At the highest, um, so I get man, I, I get Ole Miss fans' frustration though. I think there was a world like let's just play this out. Let's say he wins Egg Bowl and these five and seven. He's not going to gain a ton of capital from Ole Miss fans uh, as far as support goes. He's just not. Um, I do think there was a world where Matt Luke could have gone five and seven and re-energized his fan base, but I, it's not going to be how it's gone down. Well, wait. So you don't think that, uh, man? You, everyone seems to underestimate like the amount of emotional capital this whole Egg Bowl deal buys you. I don't think it. I, I, I think that's played out this year. I, I don't think that a win over a bad Mississippi State football team is going to re-energize his fan base at all. Fair enough. I, I just I, I don't know. I mean, I, you see, the guy on the sidelines has his job because of it. I, I don't disagree, but I think he. I think that 2017 Egg Bowl, with everything that was going around about Mississippi State snitching and and Dan Mullen being on the other sideline, I think there was a lot more emotion in that game than there will be this 2019 football game. I don't expect to see the fights, the fights and the brawls and all that. I just think this is going to be a football game between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. I don't think either coach is getting a whole lot out of this. Fair enough. Um, so, I don't know. I don't necessarily but, like, I just tend to think, I don't know. I've never, after what happened in 2017 and covering all of that mess, I, I, I don't, I'm never going to be able to, like, undervalue the amount of just irrational emotion that comes Mississippi State and winning the Egg Bowl. Like, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think that buys you more capital than people give it credit for, no matter if, you know, both teams were 0-11, because these weird, you know, two fan bases that are in schools that are the runs of the SEC seem to care about more about beating the hell out of each other than actually being relevant in anything. I, I don't know. I mean, Mississippi State's going to be playing for a bowl game. Um I don't know. I, I just don't think it's going to be the, the setup that it was in 2017. Uh, the dynamics around it just feel differently. I think there was there was a lot of vitriol on that field from the NCAA. I mean, you had fights pregame. Um, I mean, during the game, they were going at it. I, 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 Mullen was on the sideline, and he was the instigator behind all this. 
I uh, hate what happened to him Saturday. That sucks for him, poor guy. But, um, you know, I just don't think it's going to be as big of a deal this year. And maybe I'm wrong, but it just kind of feels different than where it was two years ago. Fair enough. So, anyway, I don't know. I don't really know where else to, like, go with that. I think we've talked pretty Do you much. expect Matt Corral to transfer at this point? Gun to your head, yes or not? Um... I guess at this point, be there. My mic cut out there for a second. Whoops, sorry. Uh, I guess at this point, I would lean yes, but I think there's still so much at play here because one, this seems like I, it's is Rich Rodriguez here next year? Because that's I think okay. Let's put it out. Yes, he is. Then yeah, probably. I mean, I, I I don't see how you don't. I mean, I don't see how you don't look around on the sideline on Saturday and look at how you're used, or I guess really not used, and see the don't see the writing on the wall. Okay, so that, that leads me to my next point. Your quarterback depth chart is then John Rice, Plumley, Tim K. Dent, and maybe Robbie Ashford if he sticks with his commitment. That seems like a scary place to be in. Well, yeah, but like if Plumley's your guy, that's what kind of they're going with, which which is interesting. If he is the guy, are they, is really this baseball thing going to happen? Is he going to miss is your starting quarterback? Going to miss spring practice? Yeah, he's playing baseball in spring. Yeah. Well, I'm just asking. I wonder if that possibly changes if they go to him in the offseason. They're like, "Hey, you're it." I don't think so. I think he's going to play baseball in spring. I would. Uh, I would tend to believe. I would tend to believe that would change if you're the starting quarterback of an SEC program coming off a true freshman season, I would think he'd be like, all right, foot, I'm going to do this football thing. Well, if you're Plumley, if I'm Plumley, I'm, I'm not doing that because, man, look, I have a brain. My, my path to professional sports is in Swayze Field. Um, so, I, I'm not I'm not giving up baseball. No. I mean, I don't know. I, I think we can both agree. He's not playing quarterback at the NFL level, right? No. I mean, no. no. I, I But... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if at 18, 19 years old you look at it like that per se. But, like, I mean, honestly, though, I guess what I'm saying, I, I'm asking is if you become, if they're giving you an opportunity to become the starting quarterback of an SEC football program, that seems like it might spring a choice. Like, Well, okay, but let me phrase it like this. When he came in, did he not expect to eventually be the starting quarterback of an SEC football team? Yeah, I mean... I guess so, but I, I don't know. I think that's a much different thing when it actually happens. Maybe. I, I just, I don't think, the, the work he's put in with baseball this fall, because um, he's been over there a lot, I, I would be stunned if he doesn't play baseball. Because frankly, I think there's a role for him over there. Fair enough. So anyway, I feel like we talked all that in the ground. I don't know. Uh, I don't think there's really anything, I don't know, I don't think there's really anything else I can add to that, or anything we haven't hit. Ole Miss has New Mexico State next week. They'll beat the hell out of them. They'll lose to LSU. Are you gonna Are you gonna be in attendance? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, you'll I, be one of like, oh god, Alabama and LSU are playing at the same time. That is correct. They are playing at the same time. Ooh, is there like? Uh, I mean, you can just. I've been up in the press box. You can just sit there and watch the TV, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I may or may not be doing that. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I you can write your game story right now. That may be a right from home type of day. Because <laughs> Ole Miss Alabama or Ole Miss New Mexico State start thirty minutes later, you'll probably get to see the whole game if you just watch it in the press box. 
Yeah, so I I don't know. I, that's disappointing. Anyway, so they've got that. They've got to LSU, and then they've got the Egg Bowl. I mean, there's three games left, and then that'll kind of be it, and it'll be really on to basketball. And what, what happens over the next couple weeks with the athletic director thing and kind of what that means for the football program and then what that means for Matt Luke and all that will kind of be fascinating to watch play out. Though I think the slower and longer they take to make a decision, um, probably each day that goes by that there's not an athletic director is probably a little bit more sand towards the glass or whatever you want to call it. Matt Matt Luke's odds of being the head coach in 2020 go up is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you would bet on Matt Luke not being a football coach next year. There's also an element to this to where it's like, like I was thinking about this on Saturday night, like what they issued this committee in this print statement from the University Media Relations Office, but aside from that, no one's addressed this. Like, we're like, there's no one that's saying like, "Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is our time frame for making a call." Like, no, there's no, and I, I guess I'm saying this acting like I'm surprised, but there's no leadership, like, because there's no leadership in place. But there's no one, there's no one, like, I guess keeping anyone remotely updated or informed on what the hell's going on or what's going to happen. No, you're right. Um, there's there's no leadership at the university right now. I mean, it just is what it is. Glenn Boyce is unqualified. He doesn't know what he's doing. I've seen him make one public appearance. He's the only chancellor, and that was a Jackson Prep recruiting kid. Um, so it's just a tough look for anybody associated with the university right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a rudderless ship. Like, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's a ship headed towards an iceberg, and no one seems to be steering. And then they finally put the captain's hat on somebody, and he's kind of gone AWOL. <laughs> You're right. I mean, so that, basketball starts tonight. There, there's a positive for Ole Miss fans. Yeah, so Oop starts tonight. Uh, they play Mississippi College, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll give you a couple of things that I had written down that I'll probably have in a written piece out here in the next hour or two once I get out done recording this podcast. Um, things I'm looking for is one the backcourt in terms of like how similar does it look in terms of uh, Devontae Shewer playing point guard and what that does to free Bree and Tyree up off the ball uh, two you're not going to know the road like this seems silly because it's an exhibition game but like you're going to get to see a lot of guys play tonight and so maybe you're going to kind of get little like tidbits and snippets of what the rotation maybe kind of sort of might look like um so that'll be kind of interesting, and particularly in the front court. Like, who do they play? How often do they play them? Like, kind of what is C, what is Hadim C's role? Sammy Hunter, a lot of those guys. Because you've seen, like, I've, I, I kind of talked talked about it a little bit uh, leading up to this month. Is like they look a lot, a much look like a much different team, and really that's kind of because of the front court. So how does that look, and how does that change Ole Miss's style of play? Again, this is an exhibition game. But I think you're going to be able to visibly tell, like, philosophically how differently they play. And you're going to get, like, in an exhibition, you're going to get, like, a bunch of different lineups anyway. But I think you're going to see Ole Miss have the ability to do that like they haven't had in years past. So that'll be fascinating. Um, Oh. I'm interested to get a glimpse at Carlos Curry. I'm interested to get a glimpse at what really Luis Rodriguez's game is because he played when Ole Miss kind of had to play him last year, and it was just really just kind of a 
hey, survive five minutes when we're really badly in foul trouble because we're really thin here type of deal. Whereas, like, I don't think you've actually seen his game. He's the guy in the offseason. Everyone's like, hey, like, Kermit Davis keeps saying if he, you know, if they played a game today, he starts. I guess that's a starting point there. Does he start the exhibition? But I just really kind of want to see what his game is. He's an interesting 6'6 wing piece. Can probably bang some a little bit in the post. I don't know if they'd really prefer to play him down there. But he's a natural rebounder. I kind of want to see what his game is offensively and kind of see... What he uh, what he looks like on the defensive end of the floor as well. And number two, I kind of want to see what Ole Miss looks like defensively as a team because they were a team that, uh, I guess, tried, gave a little bit better effort and were a little more fundamentally sound on the defensive end of the floor last year but still weren't a very great or good defensive team. And I do wonder with a little more athleticism in the front court, kind of this team really being more shaped to what Kermis Davis wants it to look like how much better they get defensively because Kermit Davis's teams at Middle Tennessee State, that was kind of his calling card. So that's three, four, five things I'm kind of looking for tonight. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good list of things. It's, uh, look, they're going to win that position, obviously. Um, but I am interested to see how Debbie's up in minutes. And, uh, they, they've got more depth than they've had in a long time. So uh, it'll, it's going to be a fun team. Um, I think this team, I mean, I guess we can start tonight. You think the same plays in the NCAA tournament again? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, it's really, really, really early. I mean, it's I don't know. Sure, but I mean, we we get football predictions before the season too. Yeah, I think they have the talent to make the NCAA tournament. I do. I, I think they. I think they'll have a good shot. My only hesitation is there's going to be because the SEC is so good. There's going to be three, four teams that kind of get swallowed up by the league, and their record really just simply isn't good enough. You know, metrics be damned. And I just wonder if that's what happens. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but uh, I guess that would I think be... this league is good enough, though, that if you, you can get in with a losing record. Yeah, no. I think an 8-10, if you have a pretty good net and, you know, non-conference mark still gets you in. I mean, the ACC and Big Ten have always gotten teams in with losing records. Like you're talking losing record overall or losing record in conference? Losing conference record. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that's no, I, I think that's possible as well. I just think there will be a couple of teams that really kind of get beat up and swallowed by the league. I don't know. But anyway, so that's a couple of things I'm looking for. They should be a much uh, more fun team to watch. Uh, not that really last year was – like last year I thought was an interesting team, but I think they're going to play a, a, a style and brand of basketball that Kermit Davis – like more of what he envisioned when he took over the program because the, ro- the roster overhaul he's accomplished in really just one offseason or one and a half offseasons is really kind of remarkable. So you got that going on tonight. That'll be kind of interesting. Um, I, owe, I owe you an ad read. Uh, the podcast brought to you by LBs. You got Greg's picks. Colin will have the results on Wednesday – uh, if you maybe some of you remember what Greg did, maybe some of you made money off Greg. If you were smart, you probably would. But go see him, University Avenue, across from uh, Kroger. Uh, it's kind of getting winter time, your grilling season. Uh, go let him kind of help you put what uh, kind of let him help you. I can't talk today. Let him help you put what you want on the grill. He's got all kinds of custom cuts. They've got all they got daily specials he's got plate lunches he's always cooking up something really good in the kitchen you heard about some of the stuff he was describing on friday he's always experimenting with different kinds of sausages and stuff like that but it's the best place in mississippi without a doubt and to get meat best place in oxford i'm gonna go see greg in the next week and he's gonna teach me how to cook something so i can impress my girlfriend so we we discussed that a little bit off air on friday so i got that going on for me but go see greg university avenue uh across from kroger best place in oxford best place in mississippi to get meat um, 
kind of around the SEC, uh, I think Chad Morris is probably done. Yeah, it's just a money thing. I'm ready for an for an AD to just stand up and say he's not going to pay the buyout. Well, I mean, I just want that you signed the contract. Well, you can find a loophole in that contract. There's there's loopholes in every contract. Sure, but if enough people stop start operating in bad faith like that, it's not going to continue to work. You're going to have lawsuits well, then, and all kinds of shit. Then I think they're going to stop giving these large buyouts, too, I mean, which are absurd. Maybe, but on the grand scheme of things, with as much money as football brings in, as valuable as a football program winning is, I don't think they necessarily see the buyout as these big, gigantic hurdles. Because when you're that wealthy, that amount of money, like when the school is that wealthy because of that sport, I don't think they 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 view that amount of money as just crippling. I think if Ole Miss wanted to make a move, that the fourteen million dollar buyout would be crippling. Well, yeah, sure, but that's a kind of a little bit of a different case because it's an unchar- the athletic department is uncharacteristically, uh, I guess, just not flush with cash at the moment. But that's not usually how it is. I guess it feels like it feels like it's a it'd be pretty you know hurt it, it hurt Arkansas a lot if they had to pay more seventeen million dollars. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but there's ways to get around it. And two, if you don't want to pay him that, then don't put it in the contract. Yeah, but the AD that's there now didn't make the contract either. That's fine, but more times than not, it is. Yeah. So I, get I, it. I just Don't put it in the fine print if you don't want to live up to it. I just, I can't blame, like, look, this happened at Pittsburgh with Kevin Stalling. Like, I can't blame these people for trying to lessen the buyout when these coaches are this incompetent. Like, like my God, Kevin Stalling went 0-18 in the, in the ACC. Like, he doesn't deserve his buyout, frankly. I'm sorry, it just is what it is. Like, Win a game for the love of God. Um, so I, I don't. I will say this: I think coaches are going to start getting their buyout lessened because of loopholes that you know, maybe some athletic departments exploit. I don't really have a problem with. Maybe so. I just think that'll end up in a lawsuit in court, and I think the fine print will eventually win out more times than not. But there probably, I mean, as is it with anything, there'll be some cases where it doesn't. So. Florida Georgia. I uh, I don't know. It's an interesting game because I thought. Florida played about as terribly as they could in the first half and were still right there in it. But Georgia, to their credit, got back on track, played really, really well defensively, and they're kind of back in the driver's seat to win the SEC East. Florida, to me, is going to have to figure out if they're okay with Mullen going 9-3 and to 10-2 and and never winning the East. Because I don't think they're ever going to be good enough talent-wise for him to out-scheme Georgia. I, I just... It feels like they're going to play second fiddle in the East for a long, long time, and eventually, I wonder if that's going to pan out. Like at some point, I think at Florida, you've got to win something, right? Sure, but he's in year two with a backup quarterback. I, I yeah, okay, we do the backup quarterback thing, but Felipe Frank isn't that much better either. No, he's not. But I mean, the guy you spent the entire offseason kind of wait, preparing to wait into a season with goes down. Trask is fine, but I'm just saying it's 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 fairly early. And like he really hasn't done anything. I mean, he's, I mean, he's coached what less than twenty games. Yeah, no, and, and, and okay, I don't disagree. But Jim McElwain did exactly what he's done. That, that's always been my argument with with McElwain was he got fired for going four. He was five and four when he got fired, I believe. I mean, I just I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think Mullen is a very good football coach. I also don't think he's going to be the guy that leads Florida back to national prominence. I don't think he's ever going to recruit at that level. And I think we kind of saw that on Saturday, what happens when you've got a really good coach and maybe not as much talent 
and a not as good coach, but a he blows talent. Yeah, it'll be well. That's kind of the ultimate question with Mullen. Is there a baseline at Florida of recruiting of talent you just get for having for being in that state and having you know the orange F across your chest to where he's able to scheme enough for them to be good? I guess that's kind of uh, that's kind of um, that's kind of the ultimate. Probably whether he survives or sinks or floats or whatever. Um, Vanderbilt lost to South Carolina. I believe Vanderbilt had a their second or third string quarterback go out on the first series and so they played someone I'd never heard of uh, that seemed just kind of like it is what it is like I mean Vanderbilt yeah Mason, Mason's done uh, yeah I would probably tend to agree with that as well um, although I think he could probably work elsewhere but that's just a really tough job like to win there you gotta be elite of the elite like James Franklin-esque wonderful that's just does great what Matt? Lu- I don't. Yeah, Matt Luke would be a great fit at Vanderbilt because Vin. No, 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 no. Mike McIntyre for Derek Mason. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got the ties there. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. Vanderbilt screams blue collar. Um, <laughs> what else happened? Uh, state. We went over state Arkansas. Most oh. of the league was off. I mean, I, I, what I'm trying to think. What else happened? Who did Kentucky? Did Kentucky play? Uh, there were there were so many terrible games this weekend, man. Uh, Memphis SMU was kind of cool. Yeah, what a day for the city of Memphis. That uh, I was a little skeptical about the whole game day on Beal thing. I was like, I don't know about that. That looked awesome. I don't really watch game day. I haven't watched game day in a long time. It's just really not part of my like daily or Saturday routine. But uh, I saw pictures of it. That looked really cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch it, but I, I heard it went really well. Good for Memphis. I mean. I was rooting for SMU, but... Uh, it seemed like SMU really just kind of peed down their leg in that game. Yeah, SMU, I don't know. I, they're a good football team, but Sonny Dykes does some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen. Um, so, tough loss for them because that, that really... If they win that game, they're probably going to enact that ball, and now they're probably on the outside looking in. Well, now it would seem like Memphis might. Uh, Memphis or Boise. Yeah, uh, Boise struggled a little bit with uh, San Jose. Yeah, yeah uh, San Jose SEC giant killer. Um, <laughs> that's really about it around the league, isn't it? I mean, not much would happen this week. You had Alabama LSU off. Wasn't Kentucky off too? Yeah. Oh, uh, the uh, I didn't watch any of this game for a multitude of reasons, but uh, Tennessee actually appears to be getting better. Like they handled a tricky group of five game about as easily as they could. They actually seem like they have a little something there. They're going to a ball game. Yeah, they uh which I guess credit to Pruitt for turning that around after what really just looked like a complete and utter dumpster fire disaster. Um so yeah, they they look like they have a little something there. Yeah, and they're playing their quarterback they don't want to play. I mean, yeah, it's, he's done a good job there. Um that's really about it. Was there? I mean, not really nothing big picture college football that stuck out. I, I don't think. I mean, I, 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 I always have trouble keeping up with with the happenings and going on of it. But um, was there anything of con- like there weren't any marquee matchups really? I mean, Oregon took care of USC. Oregon's got a pretty good shot at the playoff here if things continue. To yeah, take Oregon low key is really good. Yeah, I mean they were they were the better team for three quarters, maybe three and a half quarters against Auburn. I would think. I yeah, mean, I, I mean, thought, they, got, they got really unlucky with some stuff. Oregon's a very good football team. Yeah. Like, it, to the point, look, they're not going to beat Ohio State or Alabama or LSU. But I, I, you tell me they beat Clemson? I'm not shocked at all. Yeah, so 
that's really about it. Um, NFL, the Sunday night game last night was incredible. I, I was really entertaining. I watched that. Uh, Lamar Jackson, like the Patriots were bound to lose a game, and like that was kind of like the perfect setup. But this Lamar Jackson thing is sustainable, it looks like. It may be like a seven-year run because of the amount of hits he takes and the toll it takes on his body, and if he loses a step, you know, age 30 in athleticism. But uh, this is going to work because he throws well enough for it to work. It's like Look, the Pats are going to have to beat two of the following three to get back to the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes. They got to beat two of those dudes, so it's it's not going to be a walk through the AFC for them. No, but I think Kansas City's defense has to get exponentially better for that to even really be a challenge for Brady. Um, they're going to get Deshaun Watson that first game of the, of the divisional round at, at Foxborough. He can beat anybody. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is special. Uh, really, other takeaways I had. You gotta hate that for Baker. Uh, yeah, they're a mess, man. <laughs> you just hate that. Well, they he has a, they have a coach that doesn't know what they're doing. They have a quarterback that really looks like the, that's lost his way because Baker's calling card when he came into the league and when he had success last year was he was a really really accurate thrower of the football. And he's kind of lost that. He's not accurate anymore. And when you don't have the other stuff and you're missing some of the measurables, you don't really have a whole lot. That and their offense makes no sense. They're a they're a chaotic mess to watch offensively. Like their their play calling and what they try to do offensively is is really just mind boggling to watch. Denver has a good defense, but at the same time, they lost to Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen scored twenty four on them. He did. But there was one I saw, I was watching the red zone most of yesterday, and there was one part of it that I saw where Cleveland missed like seven arm tackles. Like they threw a kind of a, like kind of a, not a slant, but a crossing route to Noah Fant, the tight end. And he was like, he was like, he was like the rubber man. They couldn't, ta- like they was, it was kind of pathetic, honestly. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It, it was a tough look for him. So you've got that. And then, I'm trying to think of really another takeaways. The Titans, that was the most predictable Titans loss of all time. Uh, Mitch Trubisky and the uh, Bears offense actually looked like it found something in the second half there. They just fell too far behind. Eagles defense still talented. The Eagles are about to probably go in a little run here. Their schedule lightens up. They're still really good, as kind of chaotic as they are sometimes. Uh, trying to think. They're not a ton. There wasn't a really great NFL slate yesterday, but... Um, so, anyway, that's about it. I, uh, we'll be back at it on Wednesday. I'm not going to have a New Mexico State writer for probably <laughs> obvious reasons. <laughs> so, I, I might have an interesting guest on Wednesday. Maybe get someone to just talk some general college football. We'll kind of see how that goes. I want one more time to remind you to go by LB's, um, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Go see Greg's. Go in there and demand some gambling locks. If you ever actually go in LB's and ask for a gambling lock, he will know I sent you. I told him I did that on Friday and asked if anyone had done that. But best place in Oxford, best place in Mississippi to get meat. They've got daily specials. They've got plate lunches if you want to stop in there and just get some lunch and maybe look at what you want to put, throw on the grill for dinner. It's got that going on. Let Greg help you put what you want on the grill. They've got all kinds of stuff. Good sausages, all kinds of sides. Best place, Oxford. Best place in Mississippi to get meat. Really appreciate Greg's partnership. But that's about all I had for today. Um, I think we covered just about it all. We'll have some thoughts, I'm assuming, from that exhibition game tonight on Wednesday. We'll get into some probably some football talk. I mean, they don't really have a game this week, but they do at the same time. So we'll get into that some, too. But um, aside from that, I think that's really about all I got. Yep, sounds good. 
All right. Well, I will, uh, for Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. If you like what you heard today, go like and subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. Go tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast. But um, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate you listening. Uh, rate and review. Rate it. Give us five stars. You can say whatever you want in the comments. But thanks again for listening, and we'll be back at it all on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.